Hi, everyone, and welcome to Bible Unlock. You're listening to your host, Pastor Zlatan. In this episode, I will address a difficult question. Can we trust the Bible? Sit back, relax, and prepare your hearts. Stay tuned. Can I really trust the Bible? Now imagine if somebody asked you that question. Do you believe in the Bible? What would your answer be? I've been asked that question uh, so many times and I've had so many different answers. And I think the generic answer to this question is because it's God's word. Now, I think as true as that answer is, what if the person persists and he asks you, well, how do you know that? And I think that's where it gets a little bit complicated for us. And uh, every single Christian, if you believe in the Bible, if you claim to be a Christian, you're going to be asked this question at one point in your life. And it can be very challenging for us. And for me personally, when I was asked this question, it brought discomfort to me. And it can do the very same thing for us. It can bring discomfort to what we think we know. And then I've had other other Christians that when they hear this question, they completely give up. They lose faith and they come to that point where they just don't really believe in the Bible anymore. I mean, it, the, the Bible doesn't make sense. And they, and they lose faith and, and they don't research and they just completely give up. And, and with that in mind, I want to talk about four convincing reasons why we can't trust the Bible. We have way more than four reasons. <laughs> we have way more than four reasons, but I can't give you all of them because this episode is going to be too, too long. And so here's what I want to do for us. I want to give you a head start and help you as you search for this answer. Because as I've searched for this answer, I've come across some pretty prominent pastors and speakers that have really helped me. And so I wanna do the very same thing, is help you as you search for this answer. But as a Christian, you, you have a responsibility to take time to research this topic, to study it, and to find the answer by yourself. And the hope that I have of this episode is that this episode can equip you. And what I'll also do is I'll share some more resources with you in the description. So here we go. Reason number one is internal consistency. The Bible is a book that is written by 40 different authors in three different languages over the course of 1500 years. Now that's where we can just pause and we can just say, wow, that's, that's amazing. The Bible has 66 different books, and the Bible is divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and though they have different authors, when we put them together, they paint this picture of one unified story. Now, here's, here's where the internal consistency comes. These authors that wrote the Bible, they lived in different times. A lot of them were, were separated by hundreds of years. And in a lot of cases, they had no, no relations to one another. They didn't even know each other. They were completely strangers. And so with that in mind, with knowing that these authors had different backgrounds, they had different worldviews, they had different cultures, yet they wrote a book and that portion fits perfectly together. It's like a puzzle. 
Each author has a piece, and when those pieces are brought together, it perfectly fits, and it creates this picture that we can see. And that's the internal consistency that I'm talking about. It's one story that's in the Bible of God's plan of redemption and salvation. Now, now I thought this analogy, and I wonder if anybody has ever done this. I would love to give it a try. And you can try to do this with your friends. Get as many friends as you can and uh, don't talk to each other. Come together and write a, a paper or, or as long as you want, write a book, write a, write a story and come and bring that story together and see if that story can flow. And I highly doubt that it would because all of us have different ideas. We have different ways that we see the world. And, and that's how the Bible is. Though we have all these different authors, we know that ultimately it was God that wrote the Bible. God was the one that inspired them. He was the one that guided them. And yet we see how perfectly unified this story is. Now, the second reason that I want to give to you is uh, manuscript reliability. When we're talking about history, and specifically when we're talking about historical documents, we're always talking about manuscript. Because we base our knowledge of the world based on a handful of manuscripts. So when we, when we talk about world history and how we understand the past, it always is always surrounded around manuscripts. And manuscripts are so important to us because that's how we know what happened in the past. And the Bible has been preserved through manuscripts, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. But we're going to talk about the New Testament because uh, the New Testament is just amazing. The New Testament was written 50 to 100 AD. So that's first uh, 50 to 100 AD. And the earliest manuscripts is found in the first century. So probably around 125 AD. So that's a time space of about 25 years and we have over 25,000 copies. So try to put that, try to see, try to really like put that into perspective. We have 25,000 copies of the New Testament. They've been preserved and that's more than any other ancient text that exists out there. I'll give you two examples to show you this. We have other ancient texts like we have Plato who wrote the Republic. So Plato wrote the Republic around 380 BC, and the earliest manuscript we have is in the 9th century. That, that's a time span of 1,300 years. And guess how many copies we have? Seven. We have seven copies of the Republic. And the second example is Homer. He wrote Iliad, and he wrote this in 800 BC, and the earliest copy we have is 400 BC. So that's a time span of 400 years. And ready for this? We have 643 copies. And both of these works, they're deemed reliable. Now, when it comes to the Bible, we have 25,000 complete or fragments of the New Testament manuscripts. There's 6,000 in the Greek, and the Greek manuscripts agree 99.5%. Anyways, we won't get into all that. And then we have the, the, the non-Greek manuscripts, which is like Latin, Armenian, and so forth. And so when we compare that, when we compare 
the Bible with the other works, it doesn't even come close. And manuscripts are so amazing. And we know we can construct an accurate New Testament. And that's why we know we can trust the Word of God. Now, I know somebody's going to say, well, why would God use manuscripts? Couldn't he just kind of have written a book for us, you know, gave it to somebody, and then just have one copy? Why do we need all these manuscripts? And that question really really stuck in my mind for a while. And it bothered me a little bit. And, and when I got the answer, I was just amazed because God actually used manuscript to preserve his word. Think about it. If there was one book, like I said earlier, one book, it's so easy to change that one book if it falls into the hands of the wrong person. But if you have copies and copies and copies of so many, so much, of so much New Testament, it's impossible to copy and to change it. And so what God did in his wisdom is he preserved the Bible through manuscripts. That, that's amazing to me. That, that's amazing to me. So let's go on to our third reasons. Third reason. Third reason why we can trust the Bible is fulfilled prophecy. Isaiah 42 verses 9. Everything I prophesied has come true. And now I will prophesy again. And I will tell you the future before it happens. So God says here to us. He says, listen. Everything I said has come to pass. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you again so that when you see the future, you can know that I'm the one that said it. And Jesus says the same thing in the New Testament, John 14, verses 19. That's there for your reference. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you'll believe. Jesus says the same thing. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. So when it does happen, you can know that I've said it and you can trust me and you can believe in me. And I think prophecy is, uh, is key for us. And uh, prophecy is, is a very good reason why we can trust the Bible. The Bible has so many prophecies, so many, many, many prophecies, including 300, I think it's over 300 specific prophecies that are related just to Jesus. So we have these prophecies that that are fulfilled in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's a lot. And so I'm going to put a link in the description for you so you can see what these prophecies are. But I'll give you one prophecy. And uh, this is found in Isaiah 53, verses 9. By the way, feel free to just pause on the video so that you can take your Bible and kind of go through these Bible, Bible passages. I'm going pretty quick through them. So take time to pause if you need to so you can... You can find these texts. So that's Isaiah 53.9. And so the prophecy in Isaiah 53.9 is that the Messiah that would be buried with the rich. So here's what it says. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Okay, that's what it says in the Old Testament. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, hundreds of years before uh, Jesus died, this prophecy was set in place. And in Matthew 27 we find the fulfillment to this prophecy. That's Matthew 27, verse 57 to 60. Uh, I'm going to read this for you so you can hear this. As evening approaches, there came a rich man for Armithia named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. So he went to Pilate. He asked for the body of Jesus, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own and placed him in his new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. 
he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. So there's a fulfillment there. We see Joseph comes. He asks for the body of Jesus. He lays him in his new tomb. And Joseph was a rich man. There is a fulfillment. The Old Testament predicted it way before it happened. Jesus fulfilled it when he came here. But we also have predictions that Jesus himself makes. All the way in the New Testament, Jesus makes so many predictions about himself. And one prediction that he makes is that he would die in Jerusalem. And the reference there for you is Matthew 16, verse 21. Jesus predicted many times that he would die, that he would be crucified, and then eventually that he would rise back from the dead. Now, there's so much more prophecies that we can just we can just really talk about. And there are prophecies that that don't just talk about Jesus and the Messiah. There are prophecies that talk about world events, that talk about kingdoms that are going to rise and kingdoms that are going to fall. And Daniel chapter 2 is another one of these prophecies that we can read and we can see the fulfillment throughout history. Now, I'm not going to go into details as to what happened in Daniel chapter 2. But in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He had a dream of a statue. And this statue had different metals. The head of the statue was gold. The chest was silver. The belly and thighs were bronze. The legs were iron and the feet partly of iron, partly of clay. And then he saw a rock that came and that hit this image, this statue on the feet and completely destroyed it. And Daniel comes and Daniel shares the interpretation of this dream. And he tells us that Babylon is the head of gold. And after Babylon, there's going to be another kingdom. And then another kingdom will follow. And then a third kingdom will follow. And what you see is that God completely lays out which empire would rule the world until finally he comes to set up his heavenly earth. No, not his heavenly earth. <laughs> his heavenly kingdom on earth. There we go. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. And so prophecy is another reason why we can trust the Bible. I'm gonna, we're going to get into our last reason. And the last reason why we can trust the Bible is outside sources. There's so many outside sources that can confirm that the Bible is historically accurate, that the characters that are in the Bible are real characters, and so when we talk about outside sources, we talk about so many sources that exist out there. You have Josephus, you have Plinius, you have Jewish Talmud, you have so many more Roman uh, uh, historians. There's just a lot. You have Syrian historians. There's a lot of historians that actually mention Christ, that they mentioned that he lived and that he was crucified. But the source that I'm going to give you is Tactic Tacticus. And Tacticus is probably one of the most trusted ancient historians. And so in his Annals, he describes Emperor Nero's response to a fire that happened in Rome. And so what Nero does is he blames the Christians for this fire. And I'm going to read the quote here for you. Uh, and the quote says, Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations, called Christians by the populace. Now, here's where he gets into it. Christos, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hand of one of our pro pro prosecutors. 
I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, word wrong, but that's okay. I'm going to put this quote in the description for you. So it says that he suffered at the hands of our Pontius Pilate. So there he is. He says, this guy Christ, he suffered at the hands of Pilate. So in this account, what Tacticus does for us, he, he confirms several historical elements of the biblical narrative. Number one, that Jesus lived in Judea, that he was crucified on the Pontius Pilate, and that he had followers who were persecuted for their faith in him. That's, 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 that's powerful for us. I mean, this is just evidence that Jesus really did exist. He was a real person. He died at the hands of Pontius Pilate. And so these are the four reasons that uh, when we talk about the Bible, we can talk about, we can share with other people. And these four reasons can also help us in our own, in our own personal journey. Now, I mentioned earlier that there's so much more reasons that we can talk about why the Bible is real. There's some, some examples we could talk about the eyewitness testimonies. We have so many people that witness Christ, that witness his resurrection. We have Paul who converted. We have the disciples. We have 500 people who saw Jesus at one time. We have the woman, the disciples. I mean, there's a lot of eyewitness accounts we can talk about. So I, I urge you to do your research. We have archaeological evidence. Oh, there's a plenty of archaeological evidence. The Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, there's just so much, so much things out there. But I think the best argument, best argument for me personally, why I can trust the Bible is, despite of all this evidence, I can trust the Bible because God has completely changed my life. And it's not that the Bible itself changed my life, it's that the Bible pointed me forward to an amazing Savior and an amazing Redeemer that gave me a new life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. I've experienced the power of God in my life, and you can do the very same thing. And so I invite you to commit your life to Jesus, trust him completely, and he will change your life. Tune in and listen to more episodes as we study the Bible.